Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up on the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least. But there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions born of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome to Market Talk. Thank you so much for joining us here today as we talk about the markets and issues impacting rural America. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to have you with us here today. Busy show on tap. We're going to talk to Matt Bennett of agmarket.net. Coming up here in a little while, here's segment three and four, and get Matt's thoughts on some year-end wrap-up and looking at things as we headed to 2023 in the markets. So we're going to have a great conversation with him coming up later in the show. We have a great conversation on tap to start here as we take a look back at the year that was in 2022 and think about where these markets stand heading into 2023. Let's welcome in our good friend Chad Hart, economist at Iowa State University. Chad, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for joining us. I hope you're doing well. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you as well, Jesse. Doing well. Yeah, good to hear. Thanks for joining us, Chad. Let's uh, let's dive in. And I think just to start, a good spot for us to start is looking at markets here in 2022. It, it's been an interesting year, obviously. A lot of volatility, a lot of news items, a lot of geopolitical issues out there, weather. There's been so many different factors. As you kind of stop and pause and look back at 2022, what stands out to you here? What should we have learned from this year watching the market? trade? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll describe it this way. If we could sort of freeze where we're at today, I think a lot of farmers and ranchers across the country would be happy. Yes, we've seen tremendous amount of volatility in a, in a lot of our agricultural markets, but for the most part, that volatility has worked within farmers' favors. You know, we've seen incredibly strong prices sort of across the board. Yes, our costs are rising, but there's still a lot of profit margin to be had out there across our commodity complex here. We're going into 2023 in a, actually some really good spots as we look out there in terms of pricing and marketing. I think the challenges as we look forward will be looking at some of our production challenges as we look forward. Drought that has continued for the last basically two and a half to three years. The challenge of trying to reestablish or rebuild the cattle herd as we're looking forward during you know the next couple of years as we're looking out there. And then trying to, let's call it, find the floor underneath our international demand out there. Because when we look here at the tail end of 2022, domestic demand for our products remains incredibly robust. It's the international demand where we may be seeing some struggles as we look deeper into the data. Well, looking at that data, Chad, and looking at that export demand, I'm glad you brought that up because I think to me, that's maybe one of the single biggest issues heading into 2023 China, obviously, that's a big topic of conversation, has been for months looking at their demand, the COVID issues they have, their relationship with Brazil, uh, the reshuffling of the deck chair, so to speak. That seems to me like that could be maybe the single biggest issue 
that we could at least see on the horizon heading into 2023, Chad. Well, and you mentioned China, and I'm going to say that's that's the biggest jack chair that's moving around, but I want to point out that's not the only one as well. So what we're seeing out of China is a fairly strong pullback across many of our commodities when it comes to those international purchases. And this is sort of, let's call it the boomerang effect of the phase one trade deal. When you think about the surge that we saw out of China through 2020 and 2021, a lot of that was written in because the phase one trade deal. Now that we're here in 2022, looking forward into 2023, the idea is that deal no longer holds for us. So we don't have those sort of guaranteed sales. And we're seeing China pull back and redistribute those purchases across the globe. And yeah, Brazil has been a major um, benefactor of that as we're looking down the line. But I want to point out that, you know, what we're seeing in China is not the only place where we're seeing that pullback. In fact, when we look at some of our commodities, and especially here, I'll probably pick on corn and pork as we're looking forward into 2023, we've seen just a general pullback across the globe where we're seeing concerns about the global economy and how that has, you know, started to wear down on those international customers, whether I'm looking at Southeast Asia into North Africa or across Latin America, we're seeing in general this shrinkage of demand as we look outside the U.S. Well, and with corn too, specifically, I, I mean, obviously we look at prices on the board right now, they're still holding fairly fairly good levels for producers to look at marketing here heading into next year if they're looking to market old crop right now or even new crop 23 24 in some cases because as you mentioned some of that demand waning the cost of inputs going higher i mean there's so many factors here but i remember one of the first times i heard you speak it was i believe during like 2013 14 one of the last big cycles we saw and the biggest thing you pointed out is that for every cycle that goes up we come down i feel like we're at that point to where we're at the top of this cycle and now the question is when do we come down chad and i feel like it's going to be sooner than later well i'm going to argue we're already coming down in a certain sense and have been for a little bit here but it's a different way than what we saw in 2013. When you think back to 2012, 2013, what we saw were incredibly strong price and cost swings. But the idea is we saw, you know, rapid prices up and rapid prices down. I think this time around, we saw the, 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 the rapid escalation of prices. But in this case, I think we're going to see a, let's call it a slower erosion within prices over time, which means costs are going to remain higher longer than they did back in the previous downturn. And so I think that's the big difference as we're looking here, because when I think back to 2013 and the, and the big fall there, it was a case of demand had already pulled back and then supplies just vastly exceeded that. We're not at that stage right now. As, as we see right now, you know, yeah, international demand's been shrinking, but let's face it, production has been cut as well. Mm -hmm. And when I'm looking here, they seem to be more in, if you will, in better balance, and that's helping hold our prices at these higher levels. But that profit margin is getting squeezed as we move forward here and will continue to get smaller and smaller as we look further out into the future. Well, and especially on the corn side, the supply is very tight still. Um, globally, here in the U.S., the supply is very tight. And obviously, we're watching South America to see what kind of a crop they grow in Brazil, Argentina, and then obviously U.S. crop here in the spring to see if we can replenish some of that supply. And then that's going to tie into the de demand picture as well. But uh, I, to your point, you know, if corn can hold here in the upper fives, low sixes, 
you know, that's that's a pretty pretty solid level here to market a crop if you're smart about it and can work the balance sheet with your inputs going into next year, Chad. Yep. And I think that's the big key here, Ken, is that when we're looking here, just like we talked about in 2013, 14, it is a matter of managing that margin. And in this case, I think, you know, and I've seen a lot of market analysts over the past, especially six months, talking much more about pairing up sales with input purchases and trying to maintain or lock in that profit margin with every move that we're making as we're looking forward here, because we recognize that, hey, those things, you know, those profit margins have been slipping, especially as we compare to summertime right now. We do see some worries about, like I say, international demand as we look out there, and we expect those to be long lasting, at least here over the next year or so. And so that means you have concerns about prices continuing to work their way lower and therefore yeah keeping an eye on the price profit that you get from that crop is crucial as we look forward in 2023 that's chad hart from iowa state university we'll continue our conversation coming up next back with more market talk right after this the market news and analysis you need here on market talk now back to jesse allen and welcome back to Market Talk here today. Chad Hart, Iowa State University economist, is our guest here on the show right now. Chad, let's talk this soybean market and the soy complex. I, I get a feeling as I talk to some traders and even some farmers that they're they're a little bulled up in soybeans here with all the potential demand with renewable diesel, with crush plants. You know, you think about the expansion uh, of crush plants here in the U.S., but it still feels like it's a few years off yet it seems like these markets just got a little bit of a bullish tone where we're getting you know higher highs and lower lows here towards the end of 2022 we're kind of shrinking that narrow window testing that resistance around 15 dollar beans I, I don't know I, I i get this sentiment from some folks that they're they're still bullish this soy complex going into next year even though some of that demand on the horizon is, is not going to be here just quite yet yeah, I think that's going to be the challenge here is everybody's, we see a wave of coming. It's again, a question of how big it will be and, and, you know, how do you need to prepare for that? I think the, the reason for, let's call it that near-term bullishness right now is if we look back over the, just this month, you know, within, within December, we saw, you know, the early half of the month was basically driven by meal demand. We saw a nice surge there and we're holding on to prices as we end the year. And now here at the very tail end of the month, we're seeing oil sort of pick up where be where meal left off. And so there is enough demand out there to, yeah, inspire a little near-term bullishness here. But we also have to wonder, you know, will we get soybean production ratcheting up before some of that renewable diesel production gets online. And so, you know, there's, there's going to be a bumpy ride here as we try to, again, keep that balance between supply and demand here because, you know, the timing of these plants, um, you know, when, you know, how many will be built, when will they come online and will they be running at full capacity if they are built are, are major issues that will determine how big a splash that renewable diesel push has truly on soybean demand. Well, and a lot of folks are comparing this to the original ethanol expansion in the mid to early 2000s. Will it be the same? Will it be slightly different, uh, you know, lower to your point? I, I think that remains to be seen if it'll be as big of an explosion, you know, as ethanol was 
here for you know for the corn market will it be the same for the soybean market I, I i agree with you i think that just remains to be seen on some of those factors chad well i think it does too but i will say you know that i i would sort of agree that it, it's similar in the feel to what we saw with ethanol i'd say the difference here though is with ethanol it sort of caught a lot of the market off guard whereas this move no the market is fully anticipating something here and in a certain sense i could argue that a lot of the price movement that's expected from this move it's already somewhat baked into the market now well chad as well watching south america circling back to that their crop right now weather issues in argentina yet very good weather in Brazil as we stand here at the end of the year. And so a lot of talk about a record crop still in Brazil that could probably offset some of that Argentine production if they continue to have problems. And that's obviously something weighing on the markets here as it does every year this time of year. What's your thoughts on that South American picture as it stands here at the end of 2022 right now? Well, let's do I'd agree with your general assessment there on when we're looking at the weather patterns. Yeah, it's definitely showing that, yeah, if we're looking for weakness, uh, that South American crop, it's Argentina where we're going to find that. But as we look at Brazil, that has been the juggernaut, if you will, of production over the past couple of years, especially as we're looking at corn and soybeans. The idea is that we continue to see more second crop corn coming out of Brazil, along with them continuing to ratch up soybean production as we're looking there. And so we're going to see a lot more competition out of Brazil, I think, over the coming year, year and a half, as we're looking at both our our big crop markets here. And that's leading to some of the, let's call it the export challenges we're facing right now. You know, part of the problem we're having here is not just the general economic conditions worldwide, but when you think about U.S. prices relative to other places around the globe, normally, you know, in this time of year, we tend to be one of the lower price places that you can shop, if you will, worldwide. We're not this year because of the the sort of production problems that we had up here with the drought, our own drought here. And that has led to more losses of those export sales at a time of year when we're used to really dominating that export picture. Chad, I want to give us enough time for livestock, but I do want to mention wheat real briefly. I feel like the wheat market, we finally came down and found a price to where we're a little more competitive on the world market. And that's helped give us some support in wheat here as we wrap up the year. Is that your kind of general thought there as well? Well, that's the deal. We come down enough. Yeah, we're getting some support there. I'm also going to say that, you know, when we look at the weather conditions, it continues to be uh, concern especially as we look at this you know this end of year storm bringing in you know some snow but the, the the bitter bitter cold and there are some worries that a wheat crop that was already struggling physically going into the winter season will take uh, you know if you will a rougher you know, it'll have a rougher time dealing with this storm as it, it blows through the u.s yeah, I think that's definitely something to watch here as we get into the end of the year and the new year. Chad, let's talk livestock. You mentioned some cattle thoughts earlier, and, you know, everyone I feel like has had their bullhorns on this cattle market for months now. We just haven't quite seen that move yet, this big move anyway, that we've expected. I mean, talk to me about what you're seeing in this cattle market here again as we wrap up the year. Let's dive in a little more. I mean, should we all still have our bullhorns on as this herd continues to contract? I mean, what's your thoughts there? Well, I'll put it this way. We all know we're going to need our bullhorns on at some time. It's, again, it's sort of like 
the biofuel discussion with soybeans. It's a matter of when. And I think in this case, with the cattle market, we're sort of waiting for the time when we can begin to put those animals back out there on the Western pastures. And we know now is not the time. And we wonder as we look into 2023, when will the weather pattern change enough that we can start to rebuild those herds out west? We know the demand is there. Domestic demand remains very strong when we're looking at our meat sector, especially on the beef side. Internationally, beef sales continue to remain fairly robust there as well. So we know that that demand is out there, but it's more a matter of can we start to truly bring those numbers back up again? And right now, the short-term answer is no. And so there's that's why we're not seeing, let's call it the strong run-up in prices yet. There's another yeah. piece to that as well, I should mention. When we think back to this year, the, one of the reasons that we're looking at a smaller 2023 cattle herd is because we have, if you will, forward-marketed a fair number of animals. So animals that would have been out there in 2023, no, they're already in the, in the meat case here in 2022. So we've expanded production here really quickly. That's holding down prices in the short term, but will mean higher prices as we look out there in the longer term. Well, and something I've noticed too here at the end of the year, those packer margins were getting a little rough for packers. They've been improving those margins here towards the end of the year. So one has to wonder if, you know, what that would do for the setup here in this first quarter of 23. Because obviously, you know, packer margins, that's going to be a big part of the story, Chad. They, they got to be making their money. Oh yeah, well they're they're going to be making their money, but when I look at you know raising cattle across you know the U.S. as well, no, we're we're there's profit to be had out there, but it's also the case of is there enough profit to uh, let's call it incentivize me to go out there and start to build that herd back up? Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing from a lot of ranchers is, yeah, I've got profit here today. I want to maintain the herd that I've got, but I'm not looking to grow yet because I need my pasture to heal up. I need more capacity, if you will, to raise those animals. And so I'm not looking to expand until I know I've got the pasture to do it with. How about that hog market? Any thoughts there? I know it's been a wild, volatile ride in 2022, and even this fourth quarter has been a wild ride in the hog market. Any thoughts as you talk with the producers and look at that side of the trade? Well, I was going to say where the, the cattle herd is, you know, shrinking and but looking to expand here, you know, somewhat quickly once we can, the, the hog herd is sort of trying to hold steady, if you will. The idea is that we're not seeing a lot of action to either contract or expand. Pricing, as you say, has been volatile, but, you know, holding us, I would argue, around break even. The big challenges for the hog industry have been the higher feed cost as they've worked through the year and they don't see a lot of relief coming towards them in 2023. So I think, you know, within the hogs cycle and what I'm seeing, you know, in the marketplaces, we're looking at, let's call it slowly rising prices as we work through 2023 to match sort of the steady production that we expect to see from the industry. A lot of things to consider and watch for as we enter a new year. And as always, we appreciate the time. And with that, I'll wish you again a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Chad Hart with Iowa State University. Thank you, sir. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Jesse. Great stuff there. Always fun to chat with my good friend Chad Hart from Iowa State University. We're not done here on the show yet, though, today. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Matt Bennett of agmarket.net, and we're going to talk market trade with Matt. That's coming up here after the break. Back with more Market Talk right after this. 
When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now as we continue to talk about this market trade and kind of recap the year that has been here in 2022 and look ahead to 2023, we welcome in our good friend Matt Bennett with agmarket.net joining us today. Matt, good to catch up with you, sir. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, same to you, bud. We're uh, we're excited around home uh, Tuesday here as you and I talk and I'm going to have all five kids in the house for the next five or six days. So we're pretty excited about it. But uh, uh, a lot of exciting stuff going on. Uh, the market's a uh, little bit of exciting to start the week, but, you know, kind of low volume uh, can create excitement sometimes. But quite frankly, I don't think anybody wants to go into the office this week. <laughs> No, no, it's it's that quiet time of year. It's that holiday kind of malaise. You mentioned it, you know, low volume could lead to some interesting volatility here and there. And, you know, maybe that's a good place for us to start, Matt. I think that's a good reminder for folks to not get caught up in the day to day during a, a quiet holiday trade, just because with the low volume and the lack of traders in the market, it could create some wild moves here and there, or it could just be really dull. But just don't get caught up in that day-to-day kind of trade. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you gotta you gotta remember uh, that uh, sometimes it's more of a marathon than a sprint, you know. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know a lot of folks. Uh, you know, quite frankly, a lot of folks are in the position where they're just happy with what they're at. They know what they're going to collect in January. Yeah, they've still got maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 percent in the bin at home. Um, our particular position all along has been to get down to just bushels at home. We like having ownership of some bushels, you know, there, but uh, that's where we've been. The thing is, though, that now that the uh, market kind of fell off a couple weeks ago, you know, last week we got back eight or nine cents, but, you know, market seemed a little easier than again yesterday. I've had people call me, oh man, I don't want to be making a mistake here. I'm like, you know, uh, give this thing a little bit of time to play out. I do think. Uh, you know, the, it seems to me like the market just feels a little bit heavy, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the last couple, three weeks. And it, I think what it is, you got to feed a bull every day. You know, I mean, you've got to have a bullish story, you know, to kind of go on. And so uh, this time of year, it's kind of the doldrums, as you said. And so uh, I think uh, a producer has to has to know that uh, if they're going to have that uh, corn in their bin, be patient, because if the market falls off, you know, you're probably going to see some basis uh, stuff going on. I do think the basis could be quite interesting over the next week to 10 days with this winter snowstorm. I think uh, in certain regions, you're probably going to have the opportunity to deliver a much better basis than what you saw maybe uh, last Thursday or Friday, uh, mm-hmm. just simply due to the fact that they're going to need some corn, you know. And so uh, I've uh, I actually grew up, uh, my dad had grain elevators, dad and mom had grain elevators. And I got out of college and uh, actually drove a truck in the winter for my dad sometimes. And, and so, uh, you know, I hauled it some pretty inclement weather. And the reason is because dad said, hey, they're going to push the heck out of the basis. So <laughs> I said, what about my safety? Ah, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. You know, so it was just kind of one of those things, though. I mean, they push 20, 30 cents sometimes to get the grain. So, you know, the thing is, n- your, your originator needs to know. 
what you've got, what you're looking for, what you'd be willing to let it go at. And, uh, you know, if they'll meet you in the middle, then uh, sometimes it's a good place to be. Well, and that's a great point uh, that you make is that even during a quiet holiday type of trade, there is opportunity out there if someone needs to make a few moves here and there and, and trying to, you know, say looking at the year end books and maybe going, OK, you know what? Hey, I could move you know, a few thousand bushels of something here. And so there, that opportunity is out there on, on the flip side. You don't want to get too caught up in the day-to-day, -day, but you don't want to miss out on some of the opportunity that could be in front of you, Matt. Absolutely, absolutely. And I would, and another thing I'll add to that, you know, whenever I've been out speaking here, uh, did did a lot there in uh, November and early December, but, um, you know, people were asking, what do you think the most important thing we can do to set ourselves up for success in 23? And I told them, I said, what decisions you make between the date of that meeting and December 31st are big, you know, and so it's not just the marketing, it's what are you doing tax wise, you know, what are you doing to try to beat Uncle Sam, so to speak? I, to I totally understand that. I don't pay taxes anymore than anybody else but a lot of times in these really high income years we can kind of get ourselves put in a corner uh, just based on the decisions that we make got to be super cautious as to uh, get out over our skis as far as what we're doing you know on equipment and everything else so um, it's been a great year it's been a blessed year uh, but we just want to make sure that uh, you know we're, we're smart about uh, the windfall that uh, a lot of folks have seen Matt, you know, you're a, a trader, you're also a farmer, and, and as you take a look at this year, I know it's been a wild, volatile year, what have we learned when it comes to markets in 2022, or I should say, what should we have learned maybe looking back at this past year and just some of the, the craziness that was out there in the market train? Yeah, I think a couple of things come to mind. You know, uh, this market kind of was building from 20. You know, you, you you came into 2020 in the fall, you know, and in August you had that derecho event and then you had China step in and buy a bunch of corn, you know, and that kind of set the ball rolling. Once the ball got rolling, it wasn't going to stop. And so, you know, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, whenever it gets right down to it. Uh, it's been a two-year rally. We've had two years in a row of just incredible income, you know. And so, what would what what would we have learned from 22 or even 21 is that you know a lot of times we can be in a, a situation where you know, we don't think the markets are ever going to rally again, and you turn around and you look, and all of a sudden your profit margins are just flat out incredible, um, you know. So one of the main things I've learned in 22, and I think that we've tried to impress upon people is. Don't take anything for granted. You know, uh, I had people hauling in corn across the scale in the fall of 22. Uh, and they've got phenomenal grain handling systems at home, you know, uh, a better storage facility than most elevators that I knew of whenever I was a kid. Uh, and they said, hey, I don't know, but I may have to leave some of my storage empty at home, you know, because I can get $6.75 a bushel for corn and they were hauling in corn, you know, in, in maybe in Illinois or Indiana that was making two forty, you know, and I said, okay, let's do the math on that, you know, uh, do you want to put it in the bin? I mean, if you do put it in the bin, that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. But at the same time, look at the kind of profit margin that you're setting yourself up with if you just absolutely haul it in right across the scale. I did have a producer in, in Kansas call me during the middle harvest hauling $9 corn to a cattle feeder. Uh, you know, he had a basis of over $2 over. And he said, you know, I just don't know if I'm going to uh, make a smart decision by putting this in bin. And I said, I, I, I concur. I totally agree with you. And so, you know, I think that you got to uh, understand not every year is the same. Every year is different. And sometimes you just got to take what the market's giving you. Very, very true. Matt, you know, another thought that's pondered in my head, and I've heard this from a lot of folks as, as I've been out as well this year, you know, it feels like 
the psyche in farm country. Some of it used to be, well, let's put it in the bin and set it, forget it, that kind of method. But now it feels like it's becoming more and more of a business and you have to have that marketing plan. I, I mean, would you agree with that when you talk to folks? Are folks trying to become more aware of the options and the strategies that they have in front of them to market grain versus just the old, I'm just going to throw in the bin and forget it until I need to sell it kind of mentality? You know, I do think that, that that's the case. Now, I will say this, though. You know, there's a lot of folks, including myself, that maybe sold 10, 15, 20 percent um, before corn ever hit even six dollars, you know, for the mm -hmm. 2022 crop. I'm just being totally honest and transparent. Now, a lot of times when we do something like that, the guys that I work with, we will actually buy some sort of a call position, especially if it's a very large sale. Uh, but the thing is, is that some of the folks that didn't do anything uh, this year, actually were rewarded for that and, and had a really good uh, situation as far as marketing was concerned. And I'm happy for them by all means. If I'm one of those producers though, I do have to understand, you know, that uh, 2023 could be drastically different. You know, I just wrote an article uh, last week about this and, you know, I think anytime that we see really, really big profit margins, uh, we have to be really cautious uh, the following year because, you know, if, if you made two, three, four hundred dollars an acre in 2022 and, and all of a sudden right now you're snubbing your nose at, you know, maybe a hundred and 150 dollars an acre, let's let's you know, let's go back to 2015 through 2019. I always encourage people go back and look at your books at years like that. You know, when you were scratching and clawing, just praying to make a hundred dollars an acre. And so, you know, we've got to be uh, really careful there and uh, understand that uh, once again, every year is different. Uh, we can't market just based upon what happened last year because, uh, you know, uh, the, the best price for December 23 corn uh, may happen before uh, we ever see 2023. That just may be the case. I don't know that it is, uh, but it certainly looks like that possibility exists if you end up with a big Brazilian crop, if you end up with 91 or 2 million acres of corn in the U.S., and then we have Mother Nature actually cooperate. Kind of genetics we're planting these days. You, you could have 185 national yield in 23. It's very possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's just possible. It is very possible. I think another thing, too, uh, just real quick, is that if someone sets a target, say maybe they put a wish order in here or whatever, or they make a sale, you know, being if they're making a profit, being okay with that and not saying, oh, well, you know, I wanted it to get to seven and then it hit seven, but now I want 725. You need to be okay with making that profit where you set a price target, right, Matt? I think so. I mean, the thing is, is that you know, I've had a lot of people with remorse, you know, they've set a target. You know, uh, right now uh, they may say, oh, good Lord, you know, I, I would have given anything for $7 corn and I really hope I can get seven again. You know, and then I've, I'll have them call me and say, hey, I just talked to my originator and they give me seven, but I don't know if it's a good idea. I'm like, what do you mean? Two days ago, you said you're giving your right arm for $7 corn. Let, let's, let's keep in mind why $7 was a good price to begin with. I mean, it was a good price because you knew you could print some serious profit margin there. And so uh, the thing is, is that we set these targets. We put our, uh, uh, for me personally, it's it's for profitability. I'm trying to lock in profitability. And so, you know, I, the thing is, is you got to remember, I think one of the, I talk about this stuff all the time, but it's the psychology of marketing. And so it, it's it's similar to anything else in life that involves money. And, and we always have the fear of missing out. Either we're paying too much for something or we're not getting enough for what we're selling, first of all. And then second of all, just good old fashioned greed. And I, I think anybody who says, hey, I'm not greedy, 
Uh, you know, I'd like to talk to you because uh, you, you're you're more involved than what I am. Because even though I feel like I'm not a greedy person, it's just a part of us that that uh, you know that's hard to harness. I think it is a really good sign of maturity and uh, uh, self actualization, if you will. But uh, bottom line is, it's pretty tough to overcome it. That's Matt Bennett of AngMarket.net. We'll continue the conversation next. Back with more market talk right after the break. market information that matters to you on market talk now back to jesse allen and hey, welcome back to market talk matt bennett agmarket.net is still with us here on the show matt let's turn our thoughts to 2023 what are you watching for the early part of 2023 anything stand out to you that you're really going to be keeping an eye on when it comes to these markets i know it's we can't forecast the markets. It's hard to do. But is there anything big picture that's maybe a, a backdrop to this market trade you're really watching here to start the year? Is it more of the same we've seen this year or is there something different on the horizon in your eyes? Yeah, a few things jump out to me. I think everyone and their brother feels like equities markets are going to roll over. Um, it seems like, you know, a lot of folks have said that. Uh, with that being said, sometimes I'm a little skeptical every, you know, whenever everyone's uh, talking the same way. Having some protection for your portfolio probably makes some sense. I know we're not talking ags right now, but that's one of the first things that kind of jumps out to me. We certainly look susceptible. Uh, you know, there, there's definitely reasons to believe that uh, you you could you could see some sort of recession, but this is be a weird one. You know, and that unemployment has actually improved. Inflation seems to have cooled, but then whenever you jack interest rates up and housing starts and uh, purchases, you know, you, you look at house prices. Uh, yeah, I watch these things all the time. I'll tell you what. Uh, you can you you're starting to get uh, to where people feel like maybe they're going to get a deal in 2023 so yes there could be something like that occur a couple other things if the equities markets actually hold together i'll tell you what uh, one of the markets that i know you you know that i like is is this cattle market uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you look at fats, and again, I think everyone's saying fats are going to move higher. So I kind of have to take a step back and take some of my own advice and be cautious there. Uh, but fundamentally, I'll tell you what, you can make the case for some awful lofty price levels as far as fats are concerned. Uh, as you can tell, you know, people are paying for feeders, whatever, whatever it takes to get them in some uh, situations. And so uh, the cattle uh, producer is a believer, I believe, <laughs> that, you know, that uh, prices are going to be awfully strong. And again, these fundamentals, I mean, uh, this this last, uh, you know, in November, uh, the cattle on feed report in Texas, 86%, you know, is, is what we saw as far as uh, uh, placements were concerned versus the previous year. And I mean, in, mm -hmm. in Texas, that's a big deal. And so I, I think moving forward, uh, we've got some pretty interesting markets there. But to get the ones most people are probably most interested in corn and beans, to me, it looks to me, you know, that, that whenever we look at the historics, high prices are supposed to cure high prices. And so for me, I really struggle, Jesse, to think that we're going to see the kind of year we had in 21 or 22, where we just see price levels throughout the year intermittently at, at great levels. You know, I, I feel like uh, without uh, supply disruption in the Southern Hemisphere or, you know, some sort of event that none of us are thinking about, I'll tell you what, I'm a little concerned, you know, that we're going to see prices in this, oh, you know, sideways type situation, sideways to lower. Now, 
if that's the case and we're sideways and we're pushing $6 corn, I'll take it any day of the week. Input prices were very robust uh, this past fall, but fertilizer is finally starting to back off a little bit. So, you know, profit margins still might uh, occur. But I think moving forward, you have to understand we have uh, lost some demand. There's no question when you look at uh, both the U.S. balance sheet and the world balance sheet, uh, you know, that we've lost some demand. That's what the market was supposed to do, though. So we have to understand mm -hmm. that's just the way the thing ebbs and flows and be prepared for it. You know, if you look out to 24, I'm going to look on my screen real quick. If you look out to D's 24 at 560 and D's 25 at 522. Those price levels are ones that we've always been very happy with in the past. And so mm -hmm. uh, do we want to snub our nose at those? Eh, I don't know if that's a great idea. Well, the one caveat, maybe I'll be the devil's advocate here. Some folks are looking at and you know, we can maybe wrap up on this. The cost to plant a crop this year is supposedly sounding like it's going to be record high. So I wonder if that is maybe changing anyone's thought process here as they look ahead to 23, 24, even you know, 25, if they're doing some of that marketing. Do you think that's changing anyone's thought process right now? Yes. And I just want to make a note that if I'm doing anything on 24 or 25 right now, uh, we've all talked about it. It's 10%. You know, that, mm -hmm. that's about all we want to do because there's so many unknowns. But as far as 23 is concerned, you know, it certainly looks right now that input prices have backed off some. Uh, that's a good thing. But why wouldn't they? Because these corns backed off some. I've told people, if you really want to see fertilizer get cheaper, be careful what you wish for, because the only way it's going to get cheaper is most likely a move lower in the price of corn. So, um, you know, I think moving forward, yes, people are very hesitant. I understand. But that just goes back to what I was saying previously. You know, if you made a couple, three, four hundred dollars an acre in 22, it, it makes you very hesitant to book a hundred dollars an acre as a worst case scenario for 24. 23. And I, I just don't think that's a smart way to handle things. The way I've been saying it, Jesse, let's lock in worst case scenarios, uh, but keep a flexible marketing plan. And there's so many tools out there to, to use. And as you suggested, I think a lot of people understand that they need to understand how these tools work. Uh, and I feel like, especially with some of the younger generation coming back into the farm, you know, uh, they've learned a lot of these things in college and uh, they want, they want to learn more. I mean, uh, there's only so much you're going to learn in college. Uh, I love college, but uh, bottom line is getting your, getting your hands dirty and, and getting right in the middle of things is, is the best way to learn. And I think that a lot of folks are doing everything they can to try to learn more about how to be a better marketer. A lot of great thoughts there, Matt. I know if folks want to reach out, get some advice, you and the agmarket.net team can help them out. Uh, a lot of great ways to get in touch. And of course, you guys got a conference coming up in Nashville too that I know we're looking forward to in February. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, agmarket.net's a great way to get a hold of us. We've had a ton of people sign up. I think we're going to have to get a bigger room, Jesse. So that's a, a really good <laughs> development we've got going. But, uh, you know, uh, 5th and 6th of February, we're excited to be there. We've got Dave Hightower, Drew Lerner, and, you know, of course, several of our guys. Uh, you know, and, and, and you're going to be there and some other media is going to be there. I think there's a lot of people very interested to see kind of what's going to happen over those uh, the course of those couple of days. And so uh, we're pretty excited to, to be hosting that. I thought you were going to say you had to get a bigger room just to fit me in. But. <laughs> no, maybe me too after this holiday because uh, I know what's going to happen whenever I go uh, to my in-laws to eat and whenever I go to my mom's to eat. Mm -hmm. I'm in the same boat, my friend. I'm in the same yep. boat. You. Well, again, you can learn more agmarket.net. Appreciate the time. Again, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Matt Bennett, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again in 2023. Absolutely, bud. Thank you.
And that is going to do it for Market Talk here today. Big thanks to Chad Hart from Iowa State University joining us earlier as well. Coming up tomorrow, a conversation with Ed Usset of the University of Minnesota. And we'll also talk Cenex Premium Diesel with Aaron Rogi. That's coming up tomorrow on Market Talk. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com.